So when it comes to Jesus being the bread of life, it's important that we understand what that means. I'm going to kind of read the verse real quick. Uh, the word of God says, uh, for our memory verse, it says in John 6, 35 through 37, says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me uh, shall never haunt. Let me go to New King James, because that's Charles' memory verse. Uh, this is King James. Give me one second. <clears throat> uh, it says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said, oh, that's 36, all that the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one uh, who comes to me I will by no means cast out. All right, so let's break this down. It says, uh, what did we say in previous lessons about I am? Why is I am so significant when it comes to Jesus, um, when he says that I am? We talked about how the father said, I am that I am. And we talked about how there, I think it was 11 I am's about in regards to Jesus saying, um, I forgot which, what they are, but we'll start with the I am the bread of life. Why is bread important? Bread. It's food. Bread is also uh, a metaphor for what else? Get to that bread. Money. Money, yeah. <clears throat> Why is uh, Jesus calling himself the bread of life? Why is it significant to the believer? The Bible talks about Jesus being the bread of life. The word of God also says that this is, this is uh, uh, my daily bread. Bread means that once I eat, I'm full. It says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me should never thirst. What are some things that people are hungry for? Pursuing, chasing after. Success. And why do you think people chase in success? What are some bad motives or reasons why people are, are chasing success? Proof, to prove. What else? What's some other things that people are hungry for, chasing after? Money. And why money? It's the key to success. One more. What's something else that people are hungry for and, and they're chasing after? Fame. And why fame? Everybody wants to be known. Yep. They want to be known. So let's break these individually. So when it comes to success, we, are any of these things wrong? Maybe fame might be more so on the negative side of life. But success and money, that's nothing wrong. The Bible didn't say money is the root of all evil. It says what about money? The love of it. So, but all these prove motives. Whatever you're chasing right now in that Charles age group, a lot of you all may be chasing uh, affection, attention, uh, notoriety, uh, uh, choosing, uh, uh, hungry after uh, uh, being respected. There's a lot of things, but you have to examine the motive. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the one that makes you full. Nobody eats a bologna and cheese without the bread. Nobody eats peanut butter and jelly without the bread. Nobody, uh, not many people eat a burger without the bun. The bread gives a little bit more fullness, right? right? And so when it comes to Jesus being a bread of life, I got to say, no matter what I put in between life, he has to be the bread. And what I mean by that is, Success can be meat and cheese or uh, getting money can be the peanut butter and jelly, but it has to be sandwiched between the bread. 
And if my bread is any other type of bread, it's genetically modified, it's not organic. I got to have that bread of life that says, no matter what I pursue, my real reasons is for God to be glorified. The real reason why I'm hungry and, and, and pursuing and ambitious is to make sure that Christ is alive in my life, that his light is shining. We have to think about that because no matter what you chase with success, I've had success in my life, had money in my life, had a little, I was a G-list celebrity, what, A-list, B-list, or C-list. I, I was pretty uh, with the YouTube stuff, but none of that stuff matters. Like, like, if you pursue success just to prove to people who don't even care about you, you're still going to feel empty. Imagine, and people do this all the time in relationships, they break up with somebody and, or the person breaks up with them and they start pursuing success to try to prove to their ex that they are, are special or they're missing out. But what happens if they break up with you and then you're out there uh, pursuing success Posted on the gram, he ain't even in your stories, she ain't even looking at your posts, she ain't even liking it, and then when you see them in the streets, they're happier without you, they're with you. All that success proved nothing. Even if the other person was affected by your success, what do you get from it? What brownie points do you get? Do you get more money in your cash out for that? Do you get more success because of that? So, to prove something, the only type of proof that you have to worry about is improve. Improving yourself is not trying to prove yourself. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, elevating my life of success for something greater. And then when it comes to money, people don't, like I said, people don't put money on the wall and start worshiping money. Oh, I worship, you know, Benjamin or, or whatever presence on the, on the dollar or whatever it is. They care about that key, like uh, Miles said, that money opens the door. And that's cool. Money does open doors for you. Uh, success does open doors for you. But who's the best door opener? God is. Because money can get you in the wrong rooms. See, the thing about all this is what Jesus was saying. He says, man, I am the bread of life. I'm not the bread for the life you want to live. I'm the bread of life life. And he says, he who comes to me shall never hunger. Meaning that Jesus is a restaurant. What's your favorite, bird? What's your favorite place that has bread? Zaxby's, we got, we got, okay, Zaxby's, huh, Shake Shack, they got good bread, or even got good buns with their burger or sandwiches, you said what, Red Lobster, okay, got you, Red Lobster, what else, what, who else got some good bread, Texas Roadhouse, yep, they got some good bread, what else, I want to hear y'all favorite bread places. Where, where y'all get y'all the best bread? I mean, they got the best little, you know, you, before you get your meal, they bring a little basket of bread out. Chick-fil-A got some good bread. God's bread. Cheddar's. Yeah, Cheddar's do got uh, the, little, uh, the croissants with the butter things on them. Cheddar's. One more, one more place. Cane's. Yep, Cane's got some good bread. So what I'm saying is, is that... Jesus says, you, when you, you have to come to me, right? And when it comes to getting good bread, you be like, okay, Zaxby's got the, uh, the Texas toast. Shake Shack got the bun that, that ain't really cut all the way through. Uh, all the rest of the restaurants, you be like, oh, man, they got good bread. But no matter how good their bread is, their bread is not as good as the bread of life who is Christ. Now, that means I have to actually go to him. 
When I'm hungry, when you're feeling that hunger pains, that's why you, you have to have some accountability and some structure when it comes to hunger. Because who's ever been in a situation where you was hungry and you spent more than you should? Bought more food than you should? That's why they say you should never go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Because when you go to the grocery store when you're hungry, you got four different boxes of cereal. Then you done bought all this extra stuff. And you're like, oh, man, because my hunger was big, my eyes got big, but my stomach wasn't as big as my hunger. What happens when you eat more than your stomach can hold? <laughs> yeah, you get fat. And what else? So you play. That's good. You get fat. And then what else? Huh? A disorder. Yep. What else? Fat disorder and you can throw up. Overeating. So if, if my hunger and my eyes are bigger than what my stomach can hold, then where, where am I going to store that? I'm going to store fat in my body. And a fat person, a bigger person, is not going to be able to really be lean. It's not going to really be able to uh, be sufficient and able or effective in anything. It also create a disorder. Who's ever heard of emotional eating? Emotional eating is when you're emotional, you're sad, you don't went through a breakup, you don't went through a job. Well, y'all young. Y'all went through whatever y'all went through, and now it becomes a disorder because now you're eating to fill a hole in your heart that food can't fill. So if you have a broken heart and you have an empty space in your heart, now you're trying to feed it with things that's going to make you feel uh, 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 loved. Good, because one thing about food, food makes you feel good. <laughs> Sometimes I've been through emotional eating stuff, man. I used to be 325 to 330 pounds. I went through a significant uh, season of my life where I was just eating, but I didn't go to him. I went to uh, uh, Jack in the Box. I went to Whole Foods. Not Whole Foods. That's, that's, my, that's the new me. The renewed me went to Whole Foods. I used to go to Waffle House because the waffles, I was like, that bread right there. That Waffle House little, if you, I don't even know if you consider uh, pancakes and waffles, bread. Yeah, they 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 in the bread category, kind of sort of in the middle. French toast. Yeah. Anyway, but what I'm saying is, if I don't go to him, then I'm gonna go to all these places to get full, and to never be full. He says, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger." Now that's a metaphor, like your physical. So you with three parts, right? What are we? How many? What's our three parts? Spirit, soul, body. Jesus wasn't talking about this area not hungering again. Because we're human beings. We have a body that's going to eat. What areas is he, what area is he talking about that that bread will fill? Ah, the soul. What do we say is all in the soul? We said in our soul are thoughts, memories, Ideas, knowledge, uh, emotions, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, seven, emotions, uh, perspectives. How can thoughts make you hunger for something? Hunger, hunger for a relationship, hunger for love, hunger for attention. How can thoughts, if it's not uh, 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 filled by the bread of life, cause us to be hungry uh, for those things? How does thoughts play a part in it? Overthinking, underthinking, that's the difference. What's the difference between, well, that's, that's easy to self-explanatory, but uh, overthinking is when I take a thought and I think more than I should, of course. That means I'm overthinking. 
Underthinking means I'm not thinking enough. Not underthinking is just as bad as overthinking. Underthinking says, I don't even take the time to really process if that guy's a good guy, if that girl's a good girl. I don't even think enough. I think for me. I underthink. Overthink is I, I, I have a thought and it makes somewhat sense, but I'm thinking too much about it of all these different kind of scenarios. I, I, I used to be overthinking, so I know what that means. But thoughts can make you hunger for something because if the, if the soul is depraved or deprived of attention, now so I'm thinking of ways to get attention. And that puts me in a bad spot. What about memories? How does memories make you hunger for the wrong things? How does memories or how we remember things cause us to be hungry for success, for uh, money, for fame, for attention, for relationships? How does memories do that? Yeah. So if something so sit, for instance, if my memories of bologna and cheese sandwiches, uh, spaghetti with ketchup sauce and, I, and, and all that motivates me. But that's the only reason why I'm pursuing success. So I can so I can prove that I came from the dirt, that I came from the mud. That's bad hunger because that never be full, because now all of a sudden poverty, if it's not if it's not solved. So what happens if I do make five million dollars? Let's say I make $50 million or what's enough to buy a yacht. Let's say if I have $100 million, right? And I buy me a little boat, buy me a little yacht, a little yacht. Somebody else pulls up with a bigger yacht. What's going to happen to me now? I'm going to want the bigger. I'm never satisfied. So now I have to change the way I remember things. Now, what about ideas? How does, how does an idea cause you to be hungry Hunger for success, money, fame, attention, in pro, uh, uh, wrong, in a wrong way. Say it again. You don't ever want to be at that point of your life again. What point? Uh, like, like, for example, you was talking about making out the mud. Like, you live around gang violence and all that. You don't want to be around that save or try to make yourself out of it. Yeah, and so now you create these ideas and then you want to be successful, but it's not the bread of life. The reason why I have to go to God for my bread of life so that my thoughts can be at ease. God is sufficient enough to feed me. So no matter what it is that I'm missing and you start overthinking, he's that bread of life. So all these extra excessive thoughts, he's the bread for. He says he'll give you a piece to pass all understanding. He says that, you know, no matter what it is, think on things that are above. Think on things that are lovely, pure and all that stuff so that you won't find yourself overthinking. So, for instance, overthinking can be like, well, will I ever be successful or will I ever? Instead of thinking excessively, I can think on him and say, Jesus, I trust that what you paid on the cross for me enables me to have the spirit dwelling in me to be able to create a success that will give you glory. And then you can go to bed. Memories, I got to be able to say, you know what? You, my bread, that is dead. So I'll never get that girl back. I'll never get that back. I, I'm not going to allow my life to be centralized or motivated by an ex or, or abuse or how my home was structured. That's all in the blood. One way you can think of Jesus being a brand of life is that he can feed or feel all of that that wasn't there. For instance, if you grew up in a home where the parents wasn't good, parents was trash, all that kind of stuff, and 
Now, when you have Christ in your life as the bread of life, now you look at the situation differently. So when I grew up uh, poor, when I grew up with uh, a, sing- a single parent home with my mom, uh, growing up in off Wilkinson Boulevard uh, and uh, all that kind of stuff in my life, and then I went to Cramerton and then I went to Victory and then I went to ORU, I can easily look back over my life now at 37 and saying, I'm so glad I went to public school at elementary. Now I see why I went to all white school at Cramerton. Now I see why I went to all black school at Victory. Oh, now I see why I went to the number one diverse college at the time at Oral Roberts University. Instead of looking at my life like, man, I wish I stayed at the same school or I wish I would have did this. It all makes sense because Jesus being a bread in my life saying every scrap, every ingredient of your past can fill your future. So no matter how you look at your situation now, you can say, you know what? Maybe God has me in this situation for a reason. So instead of allowing it to be in my memory category that haunts me for my life, now I can say, you know what? How is God going to use this in my life in the future? If I didn't go to a public school, if I didn't go to all white school, if I didn't go to all black school, if I didn't go to a diverse school, then the audience that I speak into, I wouldn't be able to speak into diversity of audiences. Now I know how to be around white people. I know how to talk to white people. I know how to talk to mixed crowds. I know how to, talk to, I know how to engage with people from India and from Africa because I have the experience. Right now, God is saying, feed off of me in your season right now because I'm giving you experiences that will feed you in the future financially, because now you know how to speak in different audiences. Now you know how to interact with different people groups. Now you know how to handle, and now your breakup situation, now your whatever you went through negatively, can now be used as your message. You can't spell message without what word? Mess. A message, your message is a mess that has aged. Message. Message. Mess that has aged. Meaning that Whatever, when you was 14 through 18, whatever mess was made then, or when you 24 to 27, whatever mess is made then, make it into a message. Right now, my message is powerful. I can talk to anybody about how growing up in a single parent home, I can talk to anyone about how to create an idea and how to implement it. my, My mess, whatever it was in my life, has aged, meaning that that mess ain't in my life no more. You can't have a message if you still got the mess in your life. You can't have a true message. Imagine me talk, talking to y'all about purity, talking to y'all about, oh, let's say, what if I preach a message about living for God, but I'm living for the devil? Y'all going to be like, man, Josh, you still got that mess in your life. A true message is when the mess is aged, where that mess is no longer in your life. And so you can remember differently when you know that your mess can turn into a message then you'll see how God will make you full of a message that can change the world. Ideas, knowledge, all the rest of that kind of plays that part there. So who do you go to when you're hungry? Who do, you, who do we need to go to? It's God. The issue is we go to a lot of different things to feed us, and that bread is spoiled. That bread is not organic. That bread is not good for you. He says, I am the bread of life. What all happens in life? Life situation. What, what a small, give me five things that happens in life, typically, for most people. Disappointments, yeah. What else? Death. What else? What else happens generally in life? Blow up. So success. What else? Two more. Huh? Struggles, yeah. 
Uh-huh. One more. Connections. Connections, yeah. So friendships, connections, etc. He says, I'm the bread of life. Life is life. Well, we talked about how every one of us have a birthday. My birthday is December 31st, 1985. Did I do this with y'all? I didn't do the birthday thing with y'all. All right. So when's your birthday? Yes, ma'am. Say it again. November 15th. When's your birthday? October 20th? No, oh, my bad. What's she like? My birthday is the 20th. October 29th. What's your birthday? November 14th? October 22nd? Oh, look at that. December 11th? Mm. <laughs> August 11th. When's your birthday, boss? July 29th. January 23rd? April 15th? August 22nd? April 27th, my bad. September 20th? April 30th? October 16th? June 4th? November 6th? February 6th, my bad, fam. July 16th? March 2nd? March, March, March 2nd? Come on, yes, Yeah, sure thing, sure thing. Yes, no problem. Good morning, y'all. That was so unenthusiastic. Y'all okay? No. What y'all learning now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. <laughs> what time is Birthdays, birthday. Who did I miss anybody? Justin, what was yours? Mine's December 31st. What about yours, Brent? November 5th. November 5th. So everybody knows their birthday, but does anybody know their death date? No. <clears throat> Nobody wants to know. <laughs> Imagine, like, oh man, you only got 24 hours to live, right? So everybody knows their birthday. So, for instance, there's, there's three, three categories of life this is your birthday, right? And this is your death date. What's this? What you've done. What you've done. And how, how small is it? It's a small dash. People look at life like that. The Bible says your life is but only a what? Vapor. A vapor, you see it and it's gone. Right now, no matter how significant, name some famous people that's dead right now that was really well known around the world. Successful. Huh? Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant died at what, 42? That's a vapor. Even if Kobe lived to be 60 like LeBron, not LeBron, but uh, Michael Jordan, that dash is still small in comparison to eternity. So now I need the bread of life because so much happens in so little time. So if I know my birthday and I'm living my dash, I shouldn't be always dashing because life is too short. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life, meaning that, that no matter what you face in this short life that you live, even if you live 120 years, it's still short 
Because life compared to eternity is nothing. So it's crazy how people focus more on this line than this line. Some people don't even focus on this line. So that line is your life. This is your eternal life. So now I got to say, you know what? Life is going to have disappointments. I need that bread of life. Life is going to be full of disappointments. There's going to be people who are not going to come through for you. There's going to be people that's going to walk out on your life. And sometimes disappointments is because of our false expectations. So if someone, expect, if someone expects something from me that I never advertised to give and you're disappointed, that's not my fault. If, some, if someone asked something from you and they, they expected you to complete them or to fulfill them, then that disappointment is your fault. But there's some disappointments that's not our fault. Like, oh, my dad was supposed to come pick me up and never pick me up. Or my mom said she was going to do this but never did that. Or this person promised me this and said they'll give me the moon and the stars and they never gave me anything. That disappointment, you got to say, Jesus must be the bread of my, the bread of my life for. Oh, well, because disappointments is causing a distance between your next appointment. Because how can you really reach your next appointment if you're disappointed? Because you don't have the energy. You don't have the excitement. You don't have the optimism to say, you know what? Bam. If, if, they, if, if they didn't come through for me, if they weren't there for me, oh, well. Oh, well, I'm going to go forward. That's what the bread of life does. Jesus says, you know what? Hey, I never disappointed you, fam. I've always been there for you. I got a whole bunch of bread for you right now to f- keep you full <clears throat> through the disappointment. One day, all of us, someone significant in your life that you love almost more than life is going to die. There's going to come a day, long time from now, I'm going to have to bury my parents. And that's going to be a tough, but he's the bread of the life for. That's why... And the Bible says uh, it talks about making sure that you don't love anyone more than him, because anyone you love more than him, when they're not there no more, you're not going to be there no more in your purpose. Death is going to happen and there's going to come a time where he has to be the bread of your life. And how does Jesus become the bread of your life is perspective that my goal in life is to live it for eternity. That's the acronym for life. Live it for eternity. Don't live it for Emily. Don't live it for Eric. Don't live it for anybody else, but live it for eternity. And what that does is, no matter who dies on you, you can continue living because you know if they're in a better place or if they're not in a better place, they ain't got nothing to do with me. That sounds bad, but when you have the bread of life, you can live attached but detached. Like, I'm attached to my wife. I'm attached to my daughter. I'm attached to people, but I'm not so attached that if something happens to them, I'm done for 20 years. Like, like I have to love them enough to not love them beyond enough to the point to where when they're dead, and I'm, none of them are going to die before me. Well, dang, this is about to get real gory here. We, 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 anyway, let's go to success. <laughs> Jesus had to be the bread of life for my success because when he's the bread of your life for success, you have the right perspective. Like, if I'm succeeding and my success is based upon me, then my, my success is going to get to my head. They say, never let success get to your head, nor failure get to your heart. Why? Don't let success get to your head and don't let failure get to your heart. Why is that a, a good thing to understand a principle to live by? When success gets to your head, what happens? Become complacent. That's a, that's a very good one. Let me, let's, let's write that because that's a good point. Complacent. What else? Arrogance. Arrogance. Yep. Those two are, the, are perfect. 
When you let something get to your head, you start with arrogant. You get arrogant. Now you start walking differently, which don't mean you don't mean you can be confident. What's the difference between being confident and arrogant? I said this last night in my Bible class. What's the difference between being confident and arrogant? Because they, they kind of have similar body language, similar thought patterns, etc. Exactly. Confidence is like, yo, I'm me. I'm him. It is what it is. Like, I've, I've put the work in. I've studied to show myself approved. My success is because I became my best. I'm confident. Arrogance, you said what now? You're forcing it. So now I'm successful. Now I'm forcing you to believe that I'm confident. Arrogant people are actually insecure people. Confident people, arrogance is spoken. Confidence is silent. So if you hear them, like I said before, if you hear them before you see them, you can't trust them. Confidence is felt and seen. Arrogance is heard and seen. Like, I see you great, but dang, bro. I see you great, but dang, girl. Confidence says, hey, I walk in a room you know. That's why I honestly believe the reason why LeBron James can be at the Super Bowl and get booed, and no matter where Michael Jordan goes, he gets celebrated, is because one's confident, one's arrogant. LeBron James called himself the king, or they called him the king, or uh, uh, let's make it even more clear. LeBron James self-proclaimed himself as the GOAT. If you look at Michael Jordan interviews, what does Michael Jordan say? How can I say anyone's wants the GOAT? There's been great players before me, et cetera, et cetera. So people respect confidence more than they do arrogance. That's why people, there's only a small group of people that likes LeBron compared to how many people really respect Jordan. That's another topic for another day. But what's this right here? What we say? Struggles. Struggles are real, man. And you need that bread of life to get through struggles. What is some, some examples of struggle that y'all and y'all's, and y'all's age group go through? What, what are some types of struggle? <sighs> what you got for me? School? Separated parents. Separated parents struggle. Been there. I know that feeling clear as day. So struggle that a lot of you all are going through is because the enemy's objective is to break up the home. If I break up the home, then I can infiltrate the home. So what happens when there's a dad on one side, a mom on the other side, it creates an unnecessary struggle for the kid. Because now what happens? Now you at someone's house at one time, you have another person at another time, or one parent's keeping you away from that parent, or that parent's keeping you away from that parent. All that kind con- and their toxicity, their 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 hatred and their whatever went towards each other affects you. And he says, "I'm still the bread of life for that. I can change your, I can feed your perspective correctly. I can give you the right nutrients for for your thought patterns right now. Like like even Jesus had a a, a complicated house. <laughs> Nobody really talks about Joseph." I- I feel bad for my man Joseph, bro. Like Joseph, stepdad Joseph. <laughs> First off, your your girl come to you talking about she pregnant by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you you fourteen because they they was four. He was fourteen. She was fifteen. Fifteen, fourteen, whatever the age was. And and you can't get none. And she talking about she's even pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Joseph was such a realist. Joseph was like, "Yo, I'm gonna divorce you quietly. Like I love you so much that." Yo, fam, we're done. But I ain't going to put your business on blast. But we out. And then you go to sleep. 
angel wakes you up and be like, yo, fam, nah, real talk. She was, she was telling you the truth, fam. And then you still, that ain't your child. And your child, that ain't your child, is God. So no matter you, <laughs> you, 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 what you gonna tell God to do? <laughs> so imagine the struggle Jesus had, stepdad, heavenly father. Then you have the, the complications when Jesus started his ministry. And then his mom and brother shows up and talking about the disciples like, yo, mom and brother want to talk to you. Because his mom and his brother were getting embarrassed because of Jesus' ministry. So back in back with Mary, she kept hearing about that. Oh, your son doing stuff again. Your son is entertaining demons. You know, your son out there think he's God. So he had a complicated household, but he had bread of life. He was the bread of life. So a lot of y'all going through a lot of struggles, man. That's tough, man, having broken homes, man. But just because you have a broken home doesn't mean you have broken bread. Like Jesus says, man, I still am sufficient enough for that struggle. Now, how does he become the bread of life for a struggle for a young person saying, okay, let me find out the right perspectives I need to have as I navigate this struggle. There's two, two ways to see a struggle. What are they? Oh, I ain't said this yet. Optimism and pessimism. What's the difference? What's pessimism or being pessimistic versus being optimistic? Pessimistics, pessimistics see the problem. Optimistics see the potential. So if I'm optimistic with my struggle, but I right, cool, this is going to make me stronger. Struggles make you stronger or struggles can make you weaker. It's all about your optimistic or pessimistic perspectives. So if I'm pessimistic, woe is me. Why my home can't be get better? Why am I going through this? First, optimists say, okay, how can this become a message for me one day? How many girls can you reach because of the house she was brought up in? How many young men can you reach because you went through? That's an optimistic uh, viewpoint of a struggle. Because either I'm going to let this struggle make me stronger that's a struggle made weaker. But Jesus being a bread of life, you want hunger for attention from a struggle. So if you have a struggled home, now you'll be so desperate for a father figure, or desperate for a mother figure, or desperate for love or attention, that now they become your bread, and God's bread don't stale, God's bread don't spoil, but people's bread do. People can run out of money, people can run out of love for you, people can love run out of attention for you, and if you don't have that bread, then other bread you pursue won't, won't really feed you. What was this right here? Connections. Connections, yeah. Man, this is what I live off of, and I'm going to stop because it's about time to go. When you know God, you have access to anybody in the world. If God wants me to meet with Michael Jordan, if God wants me to meet with this business owner, if God wants me to meet with this millionaire, like I don't have to be chasing connections when I got the bread of life. The thing is, we should not be chasing people. We should not be desiring connections when I'm already connected. When you're already connected to God, who's you? So now you don't have to be chasing when y'all are out of college or out of high school, you're pursuing your entrepreneurial endeavors, whatever. You won't be looking for, oh, if I just, met, if I just meet with her. There's been people that, uh, someone told me the other day, she met, um, she met somebody who was someone that she looked up to. And when she met that person, she was like, I can't even believe this person is this kind of person. You'll be surprised the people that you want to meet is people that you wish that you would end up wishing that you never met. Because all we see is their persona. We don't really see their character. So 
So if you're connected to God, God's going to be like, no matter how bad you want or think that this person can connect you to the next level, they're actually real devils. And if you really got connected with them, you will be influenced negatively. You will be, you'll be after stuff selfishly and ambitiously. And you need me as the bread of life because sometimes when you eat bread, when you eat food, you get full. <laughs> sometimes you, want, you need to be so full that you be like, I don't even feel like getting up. I don't feel like chasing nothing. God, I'm full in you. When you're full of God and he's your fullness and he's your bread, you're satisfied. You're not desperate. Desperate people take anything. Disciplined people investigate everything. So if I am full of God already, I'm not desperate for anyone or anything. So the verse says, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of your life. I'm the bread of your disappointments. I'm, a, I'm the bread of grief. I'm the bread of success. I'm the bread of struggles. I'm the bread of connections. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He, that's bold. After living my Christian life, I had a lot of times where I was hungry, but now I'm not hungry for nothing. Money comes. If it does, cool. If it don't, cool. If I ever get viral, go viral again, cool. If I don't, cool. I'm full. And that has to be your mentality. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Any questions? All right, we're done.